This is Michael Brenner, author of The Content Formula and Mean People Suck, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Michael Brenner, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? Uh, Douglas Burdett, I could not be better than talking to you and enjoying a nice, fine cocktail. Well, thank you. And, you know, whatever it takes to have a conversation with me, the alcohol does help, uh, which is why so many authors have agreed to uh, come back and, and speak to me again. You, you know who I was talking to just before this was your bladder, and your bladder would like you to stop. Uh, just just wanted me to pass that message along to you. Well, you clearly weren't because it's my liver that's been complaining. No. <laughs> Both of them. Both, yes. both of your both organs are, are uh, have had enough. That's so, right. I'm I'm a kidder. I'm a kid. Of course, uh, when you have a little limited time series like this, authors in quarantine getting cocktails, people think you're drinking all day, and that's not true at all. I only start at noon, and it's uh, <laughs> five o'clock here, so where where we are in the east coast of the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Michael Brenner, you're in the uh, you're in the f- quarantining at home in the Philadelphia area, right? That's right. Okay, and uh, are all four kids there? All four kids are here. Um, and Mrs. Brenner, too? Yeah, only three of them are in straitjackets, I think, in the moment. One is locked in a closet somewhere, but yes, we're all here. Well, I thank you, and the listeners thank you. <laughs> but uh, your kids, your, your children are adorable, and you've posted all these great pictures of them. And I think um, one of them was planning to go off to school, was it next year, to college? No, she's going to be a senior, so oh, she's okay. got another year. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm really concerned about anyone that's like like Joe Polizzi's son who's supposed to go off and be a freshman in college next year because it seems like it's even more uncertain than my college daughter who came home as a senior for spring break yeah. and was then told not to return. She was only you know the only two two months was taken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's kind of on to the next thing. Now employment is yeah. another thing, but still I these folks that are still in school, oh, it really seems uh, very uncertain. Yes. So you were uh, an early supporter of the Marketing Book Podcast, and I greatly appreciate that. You were episode, your first time on, you were episode 53, Mm. and we're now up to about 280 or so, and that was January of 2016. And then you were episode 250 Mm -hmm. in October of 2019, and that was the first and still only book about empathy which is uh, Mean People Suck. And I was wondering if you could 
for those folks that haven't listened to it or who have forgotten or who don't have a mean people suck t-shirt like you <laughs> and I do, uh, remind them about the thesis of mean people suck. Yeah, I mean, it, it. well, it started with the first book, and it was an extension of, like, uncompleted work. And and as, as your listeners will hopefully know, the first book was the content formula, and it was a book about math, really, you know, how, how we can get CMOs and uh, traditional marketers to kind of start thinking about how to justify the return on investment of marketing. And and what I found was it just didn't convince anybody to do anything. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> well, it, it didn't have the impact I'd hoped it would. And um, so meaning you were hoping that more marketers would be able to use the math and it wasn't like calculus as we discussed, but it's, it's, it's addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. You do have to know where to get those numbers from though, but yeah. were, were they just not, I thought it was a great book in that a CMO or a marketing person or even a marketing coordinator could start to quantify some of what they're doing. Did that yeah. not people weren't interested in doing that? Well, I think like many things, it was preaching to the choir. You know, I think we we were able to give a tool, which I was hoping to do, to the folks who already understood what the, you know, what I think the new definition of marketing really should be. And that's, you know, being helpful, having conversations, um, less about promoting and, uh, the brand and, and creating propaganda and interruption. Um, and so when I went back and I talked to people and I asked them, you know, like, why aren't you doing content marketing? Why are you creating so much promotional content that no one really seems to want? Why aren't you measuring the success of your marketing as a business asset? And the response time and time again was culture. And and so, you know, I I looked back in my career and tried to understand, well, where was it that I was successful and why? And what I found was that the times where I was most frustrated generally was because I either lived in a, a culture, uh, the, a, you know, a traditional culture or had a very traditional manager and, um, you know, who sucked, <laughs> mm-hmm. quite frankly. And in, a, in every case, I left frustrated. Um, and where I was successful, it was because of a culture or a manager or a team of folks around me who had a certain amount of empathy and, and team spirit that drove innovation and drove, you know, kind of um, uh, the ability of of us to deliver programs that both connected customers to the companies we worked for to create great success. And so that's, that was the premise of mean people suck. It was if, if we could all figure out and understand that empathy drives success for our career and our companies, um, it not just redefines marketing, it redefines the, the way we might think about the culture and, and inside our business, you know, a little subtle uh, call out to, to society at large as well. But, but in general, it was a business book, and and you know, all of the examples generally lend them, lended themselves pretty well to marketing, if not direct marketing examples. Um, and our good friend Jason Miller, who I think um, you just spoke to, oh, yes, today. Uh, I highlighted him in the in the book because of some of the courageous things that he did early in his career, um, some of the great success he's had at LinkedIn and now um, now over at Microsoft. Uh, all all started from this, you know, commitment to helping people, helping your team, helping drive insights for customers, and at the sometimes you know sort of requirement to push back against. Uh, you know, executives who might be asking us to do stuff that we don't want to do or isn't going to work. So I must have misunderstood when you said people weren't doing what was in the content formula. You meant, I thought they weren't uh, quantifying and measuring certain things. What I think what you're meaning is they weren't doing the content marketing. They were basically had a gun to their head saying, talk about us. Don't talk about, don't use content that our customers might find helpful. Is that right? Yeah. 
That's right. The marketers that weren't able to adopt the content formula told me they couldn't because they were being asked to change the color of their logo. Oh, oh, oh. my yeah. heart, my, I'm, I'm crying <laughs> for all those, for all those folks. And you know what? Uh, there's a book by Martin Lindstrom that's mm-hmm. coming out and he was supposed to, it was supposed to come out in uh, June of 2020, mm-hmm. but it was, it's been delayed. Like, you know, so for certain reasons, it's going to come out, I think in January of 2021 and mm-hmm. you are going to love it because it's called the ministry of common sense. Love it. And it's all, <laughs> it's all about, it may be more painful for you to read than from, than it was for me, but he talks about how organizations start to more or less surgically remove any common sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the way they operate, from the way they treat their employees, and ultimately the way they they treat their customers, and, and all expression of those companies, and so it's nothing you know new to you, but it's really really funny, and uh, that's one where you're going to read that and say this guy is a brother from another mother because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 very. Uh, I think if, if people liked uh, Mean People Suck. Uh, or they read the Ministry of Common Sense, they're going to re- want to read the other one. So yeah, mm-hmm. look look for that coming soon to a marketing book podcast episode uh, near you. It'll probably be it. a, in January. So yeah. at any rate, well, now uh, you are there in um, Philadelphia and you're probably logging on to the you know, Philadelphia Eagles website trying to see if there's any updates and it's probably none for the last, uh, since, the, since the draft. Yeah. And uh, wondering if there's even going to be a season in the in the fall, but mm-hmm. um, I'm interested to know what kind of things are getting your attention. What kind of questions are you getting from people? And I'm what have, what have you noticed that's kind of surprised you? Yeah, one of the things I was I was really looking at when uh, when this pandemic hit was the changes that were happening in search, and uh, it oh. was just. It was really interesting to me to see, um, uh, you know, a 30, 35%. I, I wrote about this in LinkedIn. It's like a 30, 35% decrease in um, the amount of searches that were really any business related terms marketing, advertising, sales, uh, finance, accounting, just about anything you could think of. There was some pretty decent drop offs. I remember um, that now. And that was only on LinkedIn mm-hmm. that you did that? Yeah, I I, uh, I wrote that up on LinkedIn, and there was a lot. We had a lot of great discussions. I, I ended up getting uh, uh, covered on a, an article on eMarketer, and um, well, you I'll know, try it, to include it, a link to that LinkedIn post on this yeah. show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com because it really is worth reading. Yeah, it was interesting, and and you know everything except for teleconferencing, video conferencing, webinars. Zoom, um, remote work, um, you know, from a business context, obviously, uh, you know, sporting equipment, uh, home gym equipment, uh, anything, you know, virus related, those things were all being searched for significantly higher. I think Uh, I posted something from CNN about uh, alcohol sales going up. Exactly. Yes, you did. You're welcome. (laughs) And, and, you know, so it was interesting, though, it didn't, the decline didn't, Go lower than the decline we typically see at Christmas time, so the you know the holidays, and the recovery of search trends really happened about three weeks later. Um, so three three weeks in, we were kind of getting 
back to normal. I think we were all getting sick of the COVID-19 emails from CEOs. And, um, and companies that somehow captured our email address 10 years ago. Exactly. And I think we started to see even a backlash against companies that were overly op- opportunistically creating content about the pandemic. And and so uh, that has been something I've been really, you know, more so than, you know, trying to um, depress myself by looking at, you know, fl- whether the curve is flattening and <laughs> watching the news. I've just been interested at sort of geeking out a little bit on the search trend data and really how quickly it seems like we've returned to trying to have some sense of normalcy in the way that we search and the content we consume online. Interesting. I'm surprised. Of course, I saw that post you had, and it was really interesting, not just what you posted, but then everyone else. It was a perfect thing to put on LinkedIn because the the links that people were supplying were really um, interesting. And uh, I'm just surprised that things kind of got back to normal, um, which I'm wondering, I've heard from a lot of folks, you know, authors who've been saying this, but also listeners who have been in one way or another saying things like, well, is it okay to go back to selling <laughs> or is, is it okay to, you know, to go back to, to what we were doing before? And I guess I'm a little concerned that people were thinking that, that everything should stop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is a good time. I mean, you have to be mindful. You don't want to be tone deaf. And one of the silver linings that I'm hoping for is that, it seems like a lot of companies are thinking twice before they send some m- message of mm-hmm. any kind. Now, not all the messages are good, but you know, everyone's thinking twice, like, are we going to be tone deaf? And I think that that's a good thing because a lot of marketers and organizations and like the, the example you gave from Mean People Suck, they clearly were not thinking <laughs> about mm-hmm. how any of this was going to be perceived and or if it's even helpful what, what they're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah, it's it's you know I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn on Friday. It was more of a rant, a little bit of a rant, where I said you know everything that's happening now had been there before. It's just maybe accelerating a bit. And and I pivoted a bit to marketing, but working from home was always more productive for me than it was to go into the office. Um, having a teleconference was a more productive use of my time than getting on a plane, staying in a hotel for a one hour meeting. Um, those kinds of things, you know, content marketing, helpful content from companies was always a better idea than trying to interrupt the content people consume. And and so I was just trying to make a parallel to those trends that have been accelerated with the pandemic have been around and, and what stopped us from seeing the common sense of them before. Yeah, it's interesting. You and Jason clearly are either of the same mind or you talk to each other because he was mentioning the same thing in a way that his comment as well as yours are a way of saying, you know, the things that work now were probably the same things you should have been doing four months ago or three months ago, but it's nice that you're, you know, you're uh, thinking about these things. So you still have to, before the pandemic started though, you were, you must've been on the road a fair amount. You know, I was lucky about a year ago, I actually started to shift my business model and I was doing, let's say two thirds travel, one third, you know, sort of, I could do it from anywhere kind of client work. And I really shifted to uh, try to be a lot more focused on just delivering, delivering on projects that really mainly in the form of content for clients. Um, I made that shift about a year ago, Q2 of this year, I had only two booked speaking engagements in May. And uh, they were obviously canceled. Um, those are the only thing, that's the only impact I've actually felt. Um, 
So, you know, I've, I've, I'm trying to get off the road, really, um, spend more time with my family and, and try to lose some of the beer belly that I've, <laughs> I've accumulated over the years. And um, well, I'm, not, I'm not much help, am I? <laughs> no, not at all. Not and at actually, all. we should, uh, we should uh, pause and you should tell uh, the listeners what you're drinking because it's in a beautiful glass and there is a picture of Michael that everyone can see at uh, marketingbookcocktails.com. That's right. I am having a spicy margarita. Nice. Spicy. Ooh. Yeah. My trick is I add a little bit of orange juice. Actually, it was tangerine in this case. I, I squeezed some tangerines in and two slices of um, of a jalapeno. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. A, little, a little spicy sweetness, you know, really kind of helps, I think. Yeah. And I don't suppose you could share that recipe uh, with me so that I could put it on your show notes, could you? Absolutely. I oh, will do. Excellent. Thank yeah. you. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you're the only third. You're the, only the third author so far out of about thirty something that are are drinking tequila. Mm. Uh, one was Jay Bear, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a and Robert Rose. I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, there's there's four. Robert Rose, okay. Jay yes. Bear. So I'm sorry, please, Mister Rose. I apologize. Yeah, he would never happen again. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Pamela Wilson, who I don't know if you've ever met her, but she has written two terrific books. One called. Uh, master content marketing. The other one's called master content strategy. She, at one point mm-hmm. she had worked for copy blogger. Yep. That's right. So uh, at any rate, well there, uh, what are you doing anything differently uh, that you weren't doing before when you were on the road? In other words, have you decided to clean out your attic or maybe produce more content or perhaps start a daily series where you talk to authors while drinking? <laughs> you know, someone that I highly respect has already done that, so I'm, I'm going to have to uh, have to save that one. You know, believe it or not, it's just about once a week I hear from people who say, "You know, I heard you on Douglas Burdett's Marketing Book Podcast and thought I should reach out." I, I'm not even joking. Really, the, the number of of and not necessarily client. You know, I haven't. I don't know that I've generated any business. So I, I wish I did because I'd send you some bottles of tequila or whatever. <laughs> not yet. You're drinking, yeah. um, but uh, um, but just great people that I've connected with who've you know been really helpful and, and interesting folks. Yeah. Um, I've heard that from other authors where they say, I don't mm-hmm. know what the deal is with this particular podcast, but I really hear from a lot of folks. And I, you know, I also encourage folks to, to thank the guests because mm-hmm. there's only about 800,000 podcasts and mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the guests that come on this one, you know, I, I feel, you know, uh, grateful for that. And plus, mm-hmm. not only that, they've all written these books where it just seems I haven't written a book. And uh, I, it just seems like most of the authors are people, are very generous people, and they've written these books, and a lot of them have done so at the expense of their business or their relationships or their family life. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, when a listener reaches out to an author and says, hey, thanks for coming on the show, and, and I do hear from a lot of them who say, man, I, I really uh, enjoyed that book. I bought it and I've implemented it. And, you know, occasionally I'll hear from some listener who say, oh, I did that thing that the author mentioned. I got promoted. I'm not kidding. And in fact, it was somebody in Pennsylvania, but I can't remember which, which uh, book it was. And then just the other day, I listened. Uh, somebody met, reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, I've listened to all 277 episodes. And I'm just thinking, man, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, yeah. I better up my game. I, you know, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, know, the I, series will scare them all off, of course. No, it's it's. I had a call with a woman who's uh, she runs a she just started a, a firm locally here in the Pennsylvania area, and we had a we had an intro, a mutual introduction through one of your biggest fans, this guy named Tom Elmer. So if he's out there, oh yes, Tom, Tom Elmer. Elmer. Uh, thank you, Tom, because he, he, uh, we connected because of you. He's one of the people. Um, and he connected me with Monica Haynes, who's a CEO of a startup uh, professional services firm. And the day after she was, uh, we, her and I spoke, she was listening to one of your podcasts that I, somebody mentioned me or you mentioned me or something. Um, and she said, see what a small world it is. It all comes full, full circle. I've, I've, I'm introduced to you by Tom Elmer, who, who was introduced to you because of the marketing book podcast. And I hear your name on the marketing book podcast. So it, it all, you know. Yeah. Well, it's probably a small track we all run on now. Tom Elmer, uh, who you've met in person, and he's a mm-hmm. listener. He actually sent me a bottle of scotch because he's enjoyed go. the podcast so much over the years. And I'm, for the rest of you listeners, I am waiting. Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, and if you're not going to send it to me, send something to Michael Brenner. But uh, I'm always <laughs> hearing from Tom, and he's, he's a, a great guy. And I can only imagine how uh, great it would be to be in one of his classes because he's a, yeah. a university professor. And then, a few months ago, I interviewed Scott Adams, you know, the creator mm-hmm. of Gilbert. I interviewed him about Loser Think. Mm-hmm. And Tom Elmer hates Scott Adams. <laughs> and so he's, he let me hear about it. He goes, I hate that guy, but I love your show. I'm going to keep listening. <laughs> so, I, I, I heard the story over breakfast when I met him. Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry to put you through that, Michael Brenner. <laughs> no, um, no, it's all good. It's all so good. If, is there anybody out there that knows Tom Elmer and is listening to this? I just want you to say, you know, that you're so surprised that Tom is such a big Scott Adams fan. So, you know, that'll, <laughs> that'll exactly. get him going. And I may have just lost Tom as a listener. I hope not. Tom, no. I, Tom I kid because I love. Okay? Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. amazing. That's he's amazing. He's, he's, he does great work with the students that he works with as well. Yeah, he ought to have you uh, Skype in or something. Uh, he did. So that's he, did that he? was my, my first webinar was to the entire business uh, um uh, thanks to Tom, the entire business school at our local Westchester University, where Tom is a, a professor, um, that led to a speaking engagement with the Westchester Chamber of Commerce, which is a local, you know, chamber group, which is what uh, is how I got introduced to Monica, and and you know, and then it just continues. I mean, it, because of that, I got another, uh, you know, uh, request to do a podcast or webinar with another group, and so it, it's, um, yeah, it, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's you know, it's like that. Uh, um, butterfly flapping its wings in in russia yeah i don't think you realize how many how many interactions and and down downwind uh um connections that you've created because of some of the great work that you're doing doug oh thank, well i enjoy doing it so uh mm-hmm. and i and i keep doing it and i i do it for personal reasons you know so i just got a message today from somebody who said oh you know how are you monetizing your podcast and i I basically I don't have the right answer for that. I mean, I've had mm-hmm. some advertisers, and uh, there's been you know some business, but I said I started it for all the wrong reasons. I started because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't like a specific yeah. you know, sales funnel approach, and the reason, one of the main reasons, is because I came from this you know really big advertising background, and you know worked in New York at these big agencies, and then started my own firm, and it was very much advertising, and then all that started going away. And I was, you know, I was in denial, even though I still had advertising clients, but I was just thinking, eh. so I, I was, I was kind of in the wilderness for a bit there. And I was just wondering what, what's happening next, what, what's going on. And I stumbled upon a first edition of 
David Meerman Scott's new rules of marketing and PR. And I just said, Oh, that's where it's all going. And, but I had been feeling, you know, like I was growing dinosaur scales and I just hated this real feeling of irrelevance. Mm -hmm. And so I kept reading the books and started reading this uh, blog called B2B Marketing Insider by some Mm -hmm. dude, some really good looking guy. He was clearly a male model. And then uh, but I kept reading the books and I started listening to podcasts and marketing podcasts. And I just really loved listening to interviews with authors. And I finally said, you know what? I'm going to do this. Yep. And I got through about the first 10 books and I'd already read those books. And then that's when I realized I'm actually going to read, need to read every one of these books <laughs> if I'm going to continue <laughs> this. But, you know, you do it on your own time. So this is sort of an occupational hobby. So it's a, what do they call it? A passion project? Uh, yeah. Something like that. So you should, uh, you, should, you should create some concentric circles, like uh, you and Andrew Davis and Scott Monty are tie, bow tie wearing people. Yes, uh, me and um, uh, Jay Bear and Robert Rose uh, are tequila drinkers. Yes. You know, maybe we should have like a perceptual map. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see. I see an infographic in our future. Yes, and then we'll include the Philadelphia Eagles fans. So there's That's you, right. and then there's Matt Britton. I don't know if you know him, but. Uh, no. He's coming back on. I interviewed him years ago about yeah. his book about t- marketing to uh, youth, and he's a an Eagles fan. But speaking of Eagles fan, a real quick story. My late father-in-law, who passed away a couple of years ago in his 90s, um, World War II combat infantryman, veteran. He later became a doctor there in, in the Philadelphia area. Nice. And, uh, that's, and that's where my wife uh, grew up. But so they, after he finally retired, like in his eighties, he moved here to Virginia. And uh, anyway, so he was always a always watching the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know he stuck with them. He was a good Philadelphia Eagles fan, and all I could think was that throughout his life, he was saying to him, the team, "Come on, guys, just once before I die." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he then finally passes away one summer. And then that season, they win the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> it was it was his help from up above that, that helped us. Get up. He said, "What do I have to do to get you guys to win the Super Bowl?" So, at any rate, uh, not only that, one of the best Super Bowl games you'll ever watch. It was really, oh. and mean, also, some, and the quarterback wasn't even the first string quarterback. No, no, Nick Foles. I mean, that what they had to do to overcome a, a really fine tuned uh, uh, Tom Brady and, and a New England Patriots team that was that was as good as they've ever been and we just we hit every pass and made every run and got every stop and it was it was an awesome awesome super bowl oh man i miss sports (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you know what jason miller was saying he really misses live music naturally i mean he's a phenomenal uh live music photographer and he's a musician himself but that's right well, are there any things that you think you might be doing differently going forward or, or advising clients to do going forward based on this this pandemic? No, you know, in, in the post I mentioned on LinkedIn on Friday, there there are three – no. I mean, and, and that's – you know, I kind of came out with an article. I only wrote one article specifically about the pandemic, and it was what should marketing ev- – what should marketers do? What, what does marketing even mean in this age when, you know, people are dying, you know, is it appropriate? And, and I basically said, stay the course, you know, do, if, if you're creating helpful content, people be buying, but they're learning, they're getting educated, they're getting ready for that time when the budgets open back up and the brands that are going to win are the ones that stay the course. And, and there were all kinds of other folks and I don't want to name names, but there were people, you know, I'm, I'm often, I find myself for whatever reason, 
um, you know, sort of going against the tide of, of advice from, from marketing consultants. And I thought, you know, was that the wrong advice? And then sure enough, uh, last week I looked at three different companies and I posted it up on LinkedIn. One company was a, was a prospect from the first year that I went out on my own in 2015 that I've, I've been trying to close every year. And they, every year they're like, we're thinking about it, but eh, we just don't have the, you know, the, the right people. You know, we still, we're, we're creating more case studies and product brochures. And so I showed the SEM rush trend of their traffic since 2016, down, 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 down. There's another company that I've worked with sporadically because they think tactically. They do random acts of content. They do publish content. Some of it is actually pretty good, but it's it's tactical. It's not strategic. It's not tied together in a nice annual stra- strategic plan that I've been trying to pitch them on. The third company is a company that I was one of the earliest clients of mine, and they've just they've just stuck to it. They spend not a lot of money. I mean, they spend a couple grand a month. They publish eight, ten articles, uh, you know, a, a month. They look at what works and um, it, it, they're not they're not winning Pulitzer prizes. They're not generating you know they're not getting talked about in the New York Times. They're just creating helpful content every single week for their for their customers, and their organic search traffic is up 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 exponential. The second company that's been you know sort of random, their traffic is is flat to down, but their paid traffic. SEM Rush is a great tool to see all this stuff. So. Mm-hmm. If people don't know it, it's a great way to spy on your competitors, or or if you want to pick on somebody, you can do that pretty easily. Yeah. But the second company, you know, they're trying to make up for their lack of strategy with paid, and you know, to to limited success. And so, I, I posted the three pictures on the LinkedIn post to just say the companies that stayed the course are the ones that are winning, and they're winning now more than ever. They're gaining market share uh, in organic search, and and organic search. If people think you know SEO is some sort of you know white coat, uh, you know, like, you know, or, science or wizardry. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not, it's as yes. simple as creating, creating helpful content in a, on a consistent basis over time. That's it. It's like everything else. If you want to run a marathon, you got to start by running, you know, a quarter of a mile and then a mile and then three miles and 10 miles. And you know, the, the formula is pretty simple. You just, you just got to do it and, and keep at it every single day. And, um, and sure enough, I, I think my advice was right. I'm, I don't want to say other people were wrong, but um, I do think advertising during this time is inappropriate and, and because it's always been somewhat inappropriate. <laughs> it's, it's always been an attempt to interrupt. Uh, the companies that are winning are the ones that create helpful content and they're doing more of it. We've, I'm really lucky, Doug, to, to have, have seen my business increase. And, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm not bragging. I'm just like on my knees thankful every day uh, that I have. I had two clients that were in really unfortunate industries that went on pause, and I don't blame them. Um, I have two clients that are in really fortunate industries, if there's such a thing. They're video conferencing and, and remote uh, IT support. They're seeing, because of the content we created for them for months, they're seeing double and triple digit growth in organic search traffic. And it's just, mm. it's just you know, again, I, I'm, I'm, I was an English lit major and, and math is not my forte, but I am an analytical person and I love seeing the, the you know, measurable results of, of client work like that. So yeah, I'm doing pretty much the same thing I've always done. I'm creating two articles a week of my, on my own. I am doing a little bit more. I'm going back and I'm refreshing some old posts of mine. Uh-huh. Um that that you know either don't get any traffic or or used to get a lot and now they're not. Um, so I'm doing a little bit of that. Uh, I'm doing a lot more webinars just as people have moved their physical events online, um, and just trying to stay in shape and not get fat. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And then occasionally you fall off the wagon and, and talk to me and start drinking these um, 
yes. or very tasty uh, tequila drinks. Now, yes. that article that you mentioned, I'm looking at your blog, as I often do. Did you say that that article was not on your blog? The one about- No, it, it's, it was a post I did on LinkedIn. Okay, on so I'm going to be linking Friday. to all of these because yeah, thanks. I follow your – well, I, I use Feedly, and I, I'm able to pull up all your – which is why everyone's blog needs to have an RSS uh, <laughs> uh, feed – but I'm able to look up pretty very, very quickly and see what, mm-hmm. what you're writing about. And it's uh, enormously uh, helpful. And just to pile on here, I was talking yesterday to Joseph Jaffe. Mm-hmm. And he's written a number of just prescient books. And one of them was Zero Paid Media yes, uh, as the new model. And, of course, now he's being validated like crazy in mm-hmm. the five or so years since he's written that, saying paid media is like the last thing you should layer on. Yeah. First, you should be doing more of like what you're describing. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it also Joe Polizzi was saying, you know, this is there's never been a better time for a company to reinforce their content and start trying to build their own audience. That's right. That they own. That's right. So, yeah, great, uh, great advice. I know you must feel like you're taking uh, crazy pills occasionally, but it's like uh, Joseph was talking about I, I, after the interview. I said, so are you going to write any more books? He goes, no, I want people to read the ones I've already written. That's right. Because <laughs> he's being validated every day now yeah. uh, about these th- same things that you've been talking about. And in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking, you know, surely at some point, everyone's going to catch on to what I've been talking about. Michael Brenner, it's not going to happen. As long as you're working, you're going to be explaining this. I, it's, it's, it, 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 uh, it, but you know, it's funny. There, there was a term called marketing myopia. Yes. And, and, uh, it was in a Harvard Business Review article from 1960. Mm-hmm. Theodore Levitt. Yes, exactly. So I, I, I thought you figured you would know. And, and it's funny how he said, you know, we, we create the kind of promotional material that we would never consume as people. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's clearly and obviously selfish and, and promotion you know self promoting mm-hmm. and um, it's inward focused and you know from 1960. So if if it's it's we're you know we're 50 60 years on from that now and we're still talking about it. We'll be talking about it from 60 year you know 60 years on from now. But uh, but yes, I, I do think we're gaining. Uh, supporters as as time goes by i i do i do you know i i, I have empathy for the, the agencies you know advertising agencies you you used to work at one and and i you know i have so many good friends andrew davis is you know one of the smartest agency guys i have ever met yes and uh aside from you he, he's number Thank two you. you're number Thank one you. and um you'll get your check don't worry <laughs> but uh you know he's been able to make the transition and and i feel bad i do every time i post something on linkedin there's almost always an agency or an ad, uh, you know, head of an ad department, uh, you know, individual who, who gets on there and really digs their feet in. And, you know, I, I always want to say, it's nothing against their profession. I mean, if you have, there are creative people that do good work. Um, and, and I respect that. Uh, but, you know, I think we all want to feel like we're ha- helping our companies, helping their clients we work for, helping society in some small way. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know what the bridge is for people that used to do what you used to do. Well, alcohol, but um, <laughs> it's stories, right? I, I, I think in my in my keynote, I've kind of been talking about like Hilton DoubleTree released their cookie recipe. Did you see that? Oh no, no. Oh, for the for the pandemic? 
Yeah. So during they're not oh. DoubleTree always used to give you know the warm cookie when you get. When oh, you and that's a big cookie. part of uh, the book that Jay Bear yes. and Daniel Lemon wrote about talk exactly. triggers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what they did, they're not selling hotel rooms. They released for the first time their super secret cookie recipe. Oh. And I thought, what a great example of a company who didn't they didn't buy a, t- a TV spot. They just they did they looked inside and said, what do we know? What do we have that makes us special? What story can we tell that's going to resonate in this crazy time? People are eating, people are stress eating, people are baking, and everyone loves our cookies. They released their their cookie recipe. People wrote. I mean, there's articles. The New York Times wrote about it. There are videos about the video. They they published on oh, and I'm gonna find all that included it's in your a show great notes. example of and this is this is you know I'm answering my own question this is what advertisers need to do that here's another great quote the CEO of coca-cola said that that brand advertising has limited effectiveness now he said that this is one of the largest advertisers in the world the best known brand in the world he said this in context of the pandemic and yet is it not true when we're not in a pandemic? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, so, uh, you know, do bears hugging with bottles of Coca-Cola during the Super Bowl help anybody? I don't It know. makes me feel good. I mean, maybe, you know, it's cute. It's cute. cute. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's interesting uh, about the, um, it, it reminds me of Procter & Gamble. They stopped a lot, of, a lot of their digital advertising and their sales went up. Now, it may have been two different undercurrents at work, but they were like, oh, well, Maybe we should. This is a, uh, this is a story that comes up a lot with Bob Hoffman, who's always talking about the rampant fraud in digital advertising. And but the other thing about DoubleTree there is that was just incredibly generous. And mm-hmm. you know what? I bet even more people are going to want to come back <laughs> and tell the desk clerk about you know what we were baking your cookies while I couldn't travel, mm-hmm. and it's 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 good to be back because they can't really get those cookies to people. That's brilliant. And you know what, if they're, if they are doing advertising or at least they're doing a video or they're, they're trying to message people, it's about their actions mm-hmm. rather than their words. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen the video of uh, all COVID ads are the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. During these unprecedented times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have a friend, Adam Turtletaub in LA and he, he's a very funny guy. I worked with him at J Walter Thompson in New York and he, Posted something on Facebook the other day, and it was, in these trying times, we want you to know that we're there for you or something. And then he repeated it about 45 times on his post. He made Facebook blow up because then everybody was like, ah, I can't stand that. Why are these companies doing that? So who knows? We've got to be careful not to criticize folks. Uh, they may be working for mean people who suck, who are telling right. them to do that, or their lawyers are telling them to do that, or they've already bought the ad inventory and they don't want to be tone deaf. That's right. So, yeah, who knows? The, the PNG stat, by the way, is in Mean People Suck. So you you were subconsciously channeling that insight. Oh, well, see, after 280 books and um, a, um, an exponential number of drinks, they all start to blend together. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. You see the influence you had, Michael Brenner? That's you, right. That's you've, right. You've baked yourself into my subconscious. What was this? What was the, for the benefit of the listener who's tired of listening to this, uh, you know, uh, cocktail <laughs> hour, yeah, rambling marketing book podcast hosts, and I'm sure even Tom Elmer has stopped listening. Tell us the story about what the specific story. See, we can we can count on Michael Brenner to give us the accurate data. Oh geez, I don't. Well, I don't remember it. So now you put me on the spot. Oh, but oh. the point was that they stopped advertising at a, in, in an attempt to cut costs in Q4 of I want to say 2018, I think, uh-huh. and their sales went up by 15 percent. 
And, and, and the only thing they could attribute it to was that they stopped advertising. Oh. <laughs> and, and then I also refer to the um, Advertising Institute uh, did a survey. Uh, the Advertising Research Institute did a study and found that after 48 ad impressions, sales of any product with that many impressions in a given month go down. And so the joke I always make on stage when I when I talk about this on keynotes is, if you've ever watched a football game, you know that Chevy, uh, real people, not actors, commercials, will will be played about forty eight times. So Chevy trucks are you know, seeing their sales inventory increase the more they advertise. Uh, you know, it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it, we're starting to see. I think I think what's happening is this this you know I always say marketing has a marketing problem. People think it's just ads, and advertising can be effective. I want to be clear about that. But but you know for a lot of companies you know Bud Light advertises because less people are buying it. Coca Cola advertises because fewer people are buying it. Chevy trucks are advertising because fewer you know, advertisers don't spend money because everyone wants to buy their product. They're spending money because uh, something's wrong, and and and, uh, and and what they don't realize in the long term is if with any measurement, it unfortunately you know can hurt you if you over saturate the you know the market with your message. And and again, that can't happen with helpful content. If you're creating something with an ear to, is this something that's helping people? You'll never see that kind of backlash. You'll only increase the number of people you're reaching in the relationship and deepen the relationships you have already. Mm. You know, it brings to mind two things. One is uh, I was talking to a prospect this week, and they are an IT services firm. And he said, you know, we've been spending this phenomenal amount of money over however long, and they uh, were running all kinds of LinkedIn and Google AdWords and Facebook ads. And he said over the years, they got like two opportunities out of it. Mm-hmm. And they had been guided by an organ- an agency who was saying, you just got to do more paid media. <laughs> you got to do more paid media. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, no wonder people are so suspicious of marketing agencies. Cause yeah. they, you know, and, and so I, I looked at their, I did an Ahrefs uh, search, which is very similar to SCM Rush, and they were like 88 million for their traffic, meaning that's that's very that's a very bad number. Yeah, uh, nor, <laughs> you want a much lower number. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that came to mind for me was you talk about these folks in the ad agency world. Well, you know they, they're still working for an ad agency, so I mean they're they're trying to hold on. They're I think they're under enormous stress, and they don't quite know what's happening. But they still got a job, and they got kids, and they want to you know yeah. Of I, course, I completely understand uh, what's mm-hmm. going on there, but it makes me think of, I don't know who's in the travel agency business anymore. I mean, I'm sure there's maybe like corporate folks, but there used to be one like right down the street from my office and years ago. And it just makes me think of maybe if there still is a person who's a travel agent for individuals who want to buy a plane ticket. I don't know if they exist anymore, but it's like them saying, I can't believe all these people are making their plane reservations all by themselves. Why are they not coming to me? And by the way, why did those airlines stop paying me commissions on the tickets? Mm-hmm. So that's just, it seems like it's a, you know, a kind of, 
kind of outdated, but it's, yeah. you know, muscle memory is long. And there was another book, if anyone's interested in this area, by Andrew Essex called The End of Advertising, mm-hmm. Why It Had to Die and the, the Future Ahead or something like that. And it was brilliantly written. He's a very funny writer. He was like an editor at Men's Health and Details and Esquire and all things like that. So it was extremely entertaining, but he he was sort of pointing the way forward. And all I can think is that my former colleagues who are still working at those ad agencies probably, they just don't want to read the book now because it would just be too painful and they'd be thinking what's next and kind of like back to full circle with me talking about how I was kind of watching the world crashing down from a ad guy's perspective and, but then figured out how to, how to move forward. So anyway, well, Michael Brenner, this has been great fun. I appreciate uh, the, um, opportunity. I remember the first time I invited you on, you said, Douglas, I'm not getting your emails. This is clearly a spoof you're doing. I, and I get that from a lot of people, Michael Brenner, you know, they, uh, you know, I face rejection every day, but I, I followed up with Michael Brenner. And I think maybe you saw that some of your friends were on here and you know, I, was, I was able to coax you uh, back on and that that's fine because I'll never stop stalking you and reading your material and all that you, sort of thing. So wait, you have to tell me before we leave, I, my favorite image on Facebook of the whole time we've spent in quarantine was you at the liquor store in a sling. <laughs> so I don't know if you've told this story already. No, I, I haven't listened to all of your podcasts. I've listened to a, a number, but have you told that story? And if not, can you please? No, I, I will. I haven't story. told it, but I'll include it on your please. long uh, show notes that are going to be coming up at marketingbookcocktails.com. And so I, the, March 18th, I had uh, rotator cuff repair surgery on my shoulder, and I must have been the last guy to get elective surgery in the United States because the very next day they said to the surgeon, no more, that's it. But I remember I got there, and my wife was saying, like, maybe you shouldn't go in the hospital. And I, anyway, uh, I I got the surgery really successful. I'm, I'm going to physical therapy now, and, and everything's coming together. And, and I had it done on the other shoulder 15 years ago, um, you know, to try to get into the major leagues. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so uh, anyway, for some reason, on a, one day, my daughter, who was home from college, uh, we found ourselves at the uh, Total Wine Store. I don't know if they have those in Philadelphia, but it's a, a wine and well, here in Virginia, it's not a liquor store. But anyway, they sell a lot of uh, adult beverages. Mm-hmm. And so I was there, and I wanted to get some more of this uh, drink that she's turned me on to, these hard seltzers, mm-hmm. you know, like White Claw or Truly, you know, because Michael Brenner, you know, your kids are a little bit younger, but you're going to reach a point where you're, you're going to want to keep up with what the kids are doing. And well, apparently there ain't no law when you're drinking White Claw. Yes, yes, I've heard that. I'm, I've heard that from the young people. See, I'm hip. I'm hip to the things the cool kids are saying. You are, and I bet you're a, a king of the dad jokes, just like me. <laughs> exactly. And I hope your children have very well developed eye rolling muscles because absolutely, the mine best are now in their twenties, and they're you know. And did my f- kids ever want to bring their friends over? Not much, not much. But you know, that's that's another issue. So. Um, so for some reason I was, I had my arm in a sling. I had shorts on. I, I have this beard. Apparently I stopped shaving a couple months ago, just out of curiosity to see what would happen. Cause at one point I was in the U S army and I, you know, they're, they're really keen on shaving. And then I later worked on the Schick razor account in, in New York. And so shaving has been a big part of my, uh, 
my, uh, my heritage, I guess. So anyway, I stopped shaving right after I had the operation, just thought, yeah, what the hell, you know? And so I was holding this can with my good arm, a, a, a case of like these, this hard seltzer. And I had this beard on, I had shorts on, I had like a shirt that buttons up because when your arm is in a sling anyway. Uh, and my daughter said, dad, could you just stop there for a second? I, I just want to take a picture. And so she took a picture and then I saw the picture and I thought, man, that guy's having a rough time <laughs> in this quarantine. So of course I posted it on Facebook and said, uh, quarantine? No, it hasn't affected me at all. I'm doing just fine. Why does everyone keep asking me that? <laughs> well, it, it gave me the best laugh I've seen. So you'll have to you'll have to either post the picture or a link to the to the Facebook post. I will. I'll I'll post that on there for for people to uh, enjoy. And uh, but uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you again. And uh, I hope that you and your family uh, continue to stay uh, safe and healthy and reasonably sane. And th thanks again for coming back on or coming on uh, Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and same to you.